All right, this is the 10th message in the series of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and we're not even halfway done yet, and we're still in the fifth chapter of Matthew. And uh, I hope that you're thinking about what Jesus has said to us, uh, even as you're healing up on Mondays through Saturdays, you're catching your breath uh, from these strong words of the gentle shepherd. This morning, we're going to take up what Jesus has to say about swearing oaths. Not just swearing, but swearing oaths. And I'm going to just continue, I'm going to review this, this, same, this same couple of verses that begins this section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus says to us um, that, that the law and the prophets uh, are not overturned. Jesus says, do not, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, uh, not until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, not the least crossing of the T or the dotting of the I, not the slightest stroke of the pen will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. And then he says at the end of that introductory section, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And that just... That just leaves me standing at the foot of the cliffs of insanity. Looking, looking to the, to the top of the cliff that disappears out of sight in the clouds saying, how am I supposed to get all the way up there from all the way down here and I don't have a giant who is going to carry me on his back climbing hand over hand up the rope. That's the obligatory Princess Bride reference, in case you were. I'm going to remind you of these same three, three truths that, that I've now put in front of you for the last four weeks. Obedience to God is not only an outward exercise, but it is also, and even more importantly, an inward discipline. And that God examines not just our actions, but our motives. He knows why I do what I do, and even when I have done something that everybody else thinks, oh, that was such a nice thing you just did. When God looks into my heart and says to me, Dennis, why is it that you did that? You did that so that people would say, oh, that was such a nice thing you just did. So there, Dennis, you have already received your reward. Are you happy? Oh... And this is not a new thing. God has always been more interested in what's on the inside of me than what's on the outside. So Jesus illustrates this idea of the importance of the, the law and, and, and gives us six examples, six illustrations, six applications. And we've looked already at the first three. They all start with the same formula. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, and, and as I've said, it, 
you, you, you get hopeful there for a minute. Here it is, it's hard. But I say to you, and you're thinking, oh, he's about to make it easy. No. He's about to say, you didn't have any idea how hard it was. It's way harder than you think. We covered murder and hatred. We covered adultery and lust and divorce last week. Three of my least favorite things to talk about. And I think that you will agree that these have been challenging for us to think about. If I'm taking this seriously... Never mind for a minute whether you take it figuratively or whether you take it literally. Are you taking it seriously? This is Jesus' words to us. (laughs) Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. That was spontaneous right there. Aren't you happy when your children and your grandchildren are in church with you? I know I am. These messages have caused me at least, and hopefully you, to consider carefully what Jesus has said and what it means to me that he said it. And, and it, it has engaged me to examine myself more deeply to see if whether these things that Jesus is talking about are being evidenced in my own experience, in my own walk, in my own life, in my own attempt to follow Jesus and be one of His. Today's, today's application, I think, is going to give us all a little bit of, little bit of breathing room especially after the last three messages. Today, I hope, not that it isn't serious, but uh, it's not quite so serious as if you hate your brother, you've killed him in your heart. If you've looked at a woman with widening eyes, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. If you think marriage is something that you can enter casually and when you're no longer interested, you can end it in divorce and move on and find somebody else that will satisfy whatever it is you think you're looking for, you're wrong. Those things are hard, right? So here's the fourth. Again, you have heard that it was said from those of old, you shall not swear falsely. You shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. That's the commandment. That's the teaching of the law. And then Jesus says, But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make One hair, white or black, ladies. Oh, I should not have said that. I'm going to hear about that. I can't even take it back. I tear my garments and I put 
ashes over my head and I repent in sackcloth and in ashes. Please forgive me. I thought that was going to be funny. Do not take an oath by your head. You cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Now, that's harmless, right? This is so much easier than the one about murder and the one about adultery and the one about divorce. This one's so much easier. We can deal with this. Oh, this, we should have skipped the first three and just come right to this one. Frivolous oaths and promises made to God under duress. You're probably familiar with the expression foxhole conversion. Here's an example. A man was driving down the street in a panic because he had an, an important meeting and he couldn't find a place to park. And so he looked up to heaven and he said, Lord, take pity on me. If you find me a parking space, I will go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life. And I will even give up drinking. Miraculously, a parking spot, a, a car pulled out in front of him, leaving a perfectly accessible parking space for him. And as he prepared to pull into the space, he looked up again and he said, Never mind, I found one. <laughs> Frivolous things that we say. When, well, well, it probably started with pinky promise, right? Or cross my heart and hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. What? These are the things that kept me from sleeping at night as a child. Now I lay me down to sleep. If I, I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I... What? I'm not sleeping now. This is what, this is what the commandments, the God's top ten. This makes the list of God's top ten. Listen, Exodus 20 verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. What? That's on, the, that's on God's top ten? Oh my goodness. How many of us have broken that commandment? Mm. Leviticus 19, verse 12. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Students in my uh, classroom would, would um, invite me into their dispute. Who had the whatever? Who had the nicer this or the um, worse that? What do you think of how I and, I... and I will just answer the question with, with this question. Do you really want to involve me in this? Now, I'm not God. But can you imagine how often God might think, Do you really want to involve me in this? 
Do you really, do you really want to use my name in this little quarrel? It's not a nice idea to think that God is rolling his eyes at me. Come on, Dennis, what? This is not, come on. You shall not swear by my name falsely. And so profane, profane means to make common, to make ordinary what is extraordinary, uncommon, sacred. The name of, the name of God is sacred. How sacred? People who, people who follow the Old Testament custom and the, and the teachings of the, the, the rabbis, the Talmud, they will not speak the name of God out loud. They will not write it. You might notice from time to time, if you pick up something that was written by a, a, a person who is an observant Jewish person, Messianic, uh, believing Christian Jew or otherwise, if they write the name, the, if they write the word of God, it will say capital G hyphen D. They will not even put the vowel. It's too sacred. It's too holy. Now, okay, God doesn't expect that kind of discipline from us. I, I don't believe that God wants me to be Afraid of using his name? I think he wants me to use it respectfully. One of the ways that I have tried to illustrate this over the years with my own children and with students uh, is when I hear someone use the name of God in a casual way, I will just stop and bow my head and say, Go ahead. Oh, I, I thought you were about to lead in prayer and I wanted to join you. There's a comedian whose name I won't mention, but some of you will remember that he had a, he had a bit about this. And, he, and, and, and in, his, in, in his comedic bit, he said, stop, stop bothering God, call Rudy. Rudy doesn't have anything else to do. So instead of saying, um, instead of calling on the name of God when you have something that you want to say, just call on Rudy's name. He's not going to care either. And he's not busy. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Deuteronomy 23, this is, where, this is where Jesus was taking his audience. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall, not, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, 
you will not be guilty of sin. If you don't take a vow, you can't break it. Early on in my parenting career, I figured out that I would be very, very, very careful in making any promises to my children. We'll do this or we'll do that. We're going to take you to this place that you want to go or we're going to get you this thing that you want to have. And I would explain to my kids, no, I'm not going to promise you because things happen that I can't control. Things, things happen that require me to attend that emergent situation. And that means that the plans that I've made with you boys, I'm going to have to postpone. And because I did not want to break a promise to my children, I was careful not to promise them something that could be affected by circumstances I could not control. No promises to my kids if I couldn't be certain I would keep them. No promises to God if I can't be certain that I can keep those promises no matter what the circumstances might be. So um, God, God finishes the idea in Deuteronomy 23. 23, you shall be careful to do what has passed your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. Don't let your mouth make checks that your purse can't cash. That's one way of saying it. Now here's a verse from the New Testament that um, I've already introduced in this series back when we were talking about Jesus saying you are the salt of the earth Galatians uh, Colossians verse uh, chapter 4 verse 6 let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person what i say what what i say with my words ought to be measured considered so that I'm not speaking rashly or hastily. Here's another verse that I've already um, shared with you in this series uh, from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Jesus says, let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Be a person who means what you say, and when you say this, follow through. Now I know that I know that there are, there are, there are things that we say, sort of sort of uh, expressions that that we have, and some some come into style and they go out of style. There's one that's currently in in fashion, and and uh, <clears throat> I know I, I'm not criticizing you if you if you use this expression. Um, I'm not going to lie. 
I think that is an unnecessary statement for me to say to you. Now, if, if you're saying this, I understand it's just, it's just a manner of a figure of speech. You're not saying anything else by it. But I don't think I should have to say to you, I'm not going to lie. I think that should be your expectation for me. That I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think that I should have to say, well, to be honest... I don't want you to think that unless I say to you, well, to be honest, I'm not being honest. I also don't think that that means that I should always say everything I think. (laughs) To be honest. I don't always say everything I think because... Everything I think is not righteous. I know this about myself. Some things come into my thinking area that I didn't invite there. How about you? And it takes some discipline to recognize that just because it entered into my thinking zone does not mean that it is true or wholesome or valuable or will minister to the person who hears me say it. Right? Let no corrupting talk come out of my mouth. Dennis, don't say the corrupting things. Don't say the things that will cause other people harm. Does that mean that I never do? I wish it did. I know that I have said things that have caused others harm. If I've said something this morning that has caused you harm, please forgive me. If I need to be more specific in asking you to forgive me, let me know that and I will ask you specifically to forgive me for whatever specifically I said that caused harm. The thing about the women and the coloring of the hair, That comes to mind. Just because it's just because it comes into my head does not mean I'm going to let it out my mouth. Listen to what James says about this. James chapter 3. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. I thought about that. I I did. I thought about that when I chose this verse. I said, well, really? Tame shark? Um, Laser beam mounted on shark? That idea popped in there. But but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. I'm not talking about your tongue right now. I'm talking about 
this one in my mouth. I can't manage my own tongue. Always. I'm trying really hard today. It's remarkable what James says about this little muscle thing, the flapping thing between my teeth. I cannot tame my own tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. I know I have said things that I should not have said. I know I have said things that have polluted me, corrupted me. Listen to this. James says, With this tongue we bless our Lord and Father, and with this same tongue we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. We bless God and we curse the image of God. With the same tongue. Sometimes I have heard, I have heard this comment spoken um, to someone who has just spoken really awful words. Do you eat with that mouth? Have you ever heard that? James says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Jesus said, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Be people who speak truthfully. Be people who speak words and in ways that minister grace to those who hear us. Clean speech, clean speech, substituting safe words for curse words. When I was uh, in basic training, I, I was already married with two children when I, when I enlisted in the army. And I, I knew from all the movies that I had ever watched, except Gomer Pyle. Don't correct me, I know that wasn't a movie, a television show. But from all the movies I ever watched, I knew that in basic training, I was going to have to deal with foul language. And this was something that I, I was really troubled in my spirit over. And so as I was preparing to go away to basic training, I was praying, God, give me the discipline to guard my own tongue. And then we started learning how to march and run in formation. And the drill sergeants would keep us in step by chanting cadences that we were required to repeat. You, a lot of you have, at least, at least you've seen this in movies, right? Well, some of these cadences, I, I couldn't repeat. And so I was, and you, and you're required to sound off, sound off. If you're not, if the drill sergeant thinks you're not yelling loud enough, he'll stop you and drop you for push-ups, right? So I had to sound off. I had to say at the top of my lungs while gasping for breath, 
things that I didn't want to say. So I began to find substitute words that I could say substitute words and I would put substitute words in place of bad words and then I would I would sort of like just lip sync when I came to those words I would use my substitute word but not loud so that the drill sergeant would know that I didn't say the right wrong word but pretty soon the guys around me started to notice and before long some of them were choosing my substitute word and no no drill sergeant ever corrected me god honored my request and on the last night of basic training, on the very last night before graduation, in our barracks with 40 guys, 40 or whatever the number was, in, in bunk beds, racks, the last night, as we were all excited about getting up the next morning and going to graduation and then leaving basic training, my platoon guide the, the soldier who was serving in the position of leadership over all of our... Pl my platoon guide came over to my bunk and said, Ashley, I want to ask you a question. This is the only conversation we ever had personally in the four months that I was at Fort Benning. He said, I want to ask you why you started using those substitute words. So I told him. I told him the whole reason. And as I was talking, some of the other guys, some of the other soldiers came and started gathering around. And I talked for about 45 minutes, not about why I wasn't using certain words. I talked about what God was doing in my life. I witnessed to my whole platoon on the last night before we all went off to different places. And, and I, I believe... God answered my prayer to help me guard my own lips. And he answered that prayer far beyond I could have dreamed because it opened up an opportunity for me. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. This is what I want you to take away. There is a danger for people like me who choose clean words instead of the other words. Here's the danger. The danger is not in what I said or what I didn't say, but what I thought about myself because of what I did not say. See? I didn't swear. I'm not as guilty as those guys who did swear. And now my success at controlling my tongue has become a point of spiritual pride. And in voiding one sin, I've run to another. Isn't living a holy life very difficult? And it brought these words to mind, and with this I'm going to close. Again, a parable that Jesus used to help illustrate a principle. 
He told also this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, users of bad language. I added that. Or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes, tithes of all that I get. I use only the acceptable words. Do not trade one sin for another. Jesus said, be people who when you say yes, you mean yes. When you say no, you mean no. And let God handle the big stuff with you. Let's pray together. I thought this was going to be easier, Father, but maybe, maybe not. This last part, this, this last part that points out to me that just when I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, I realize I'm thinking about me doing what I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm doing it better than other people who aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I've recognized that I'm right back in the place of disobedience and thinking that I'm enough. And Father, I am not enough. I am too small. I need you to be my sufficiency. Help us, I pray, to find our sufficiency in you. Even in the very words that we say. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. strength strength like no other strength like no other reaches to me you are my hope Hope like no other Hope like no other Reaches to me In the fullness of your grace in the power of your name you lift me up you lift me up 
Unfailing love Stronger than mountains Deeper than oceans Reaches to me In the fullness In the fullness of your grace In the power of your name You lift me up You lift me up The fullness In the fullness of your grace in the power of your name you lift me up you lift me up your love oh lord reaches to the Reaches to the sky Your love, O oh Lord Reaches to the heaven Your faithfulness Reaches to the sky You are my strength Strength like no other Strength like no other Reaches to me Thank you for being our strength, Lord. Thank you for being the rock upon which we stand. Can't do any of this without you. We can't hold our tongues. We can't swallow our pride. We need your strength. Help us, Lord. Bless and keep us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.